We've been traveling through the book of Jude for about six or seven weeks and a small epistle. Someone asked me, they said, how long can you go through Jude? Well, I think I have drained it dry and uh, given you more than what you ever thought you would find in such a small book of the Bible. Today is um, two different verses that I read many times at the close of a funeral. And I'll read these as a benediction. It is a powerful benediction. Statement of faith. And today I've entitled the lesson, Our Security and Perseverance. Do you like good comfort food? Everybody say amen. Alright. Mashed potatoes and gravy. That's comfort food. Macaroni and cheese. Comfort food. Ice cream. That's, that's some comfort food. Alright. Nanner pudding. I didn't say banana. Nanner pudding. Alright. That's good comfort food. Cornbread and vegetables. Uh, maybe some pinto beans, alright? You know what they call pinto beans in Texas? They call them strawberries down there, alright? Well, you and I are blessed to have some good comfort doctrines too. And one of those is the issue of the security of the believer. Once we are saved, we are eternally and forever saved. That is a comfort doctrine. But one of the most difficult for people to get their head around. I remember early on in my college career, I had a speech class and and I had a professor there who uh, was a different denomination. In fact, I told her one time, well, you're a different denomination. And she said, oh, no, I'm not. She said, I'm part of the church. And I said, well, I understand that, but you're just a different denomination. She said, no, 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 I'm not. I'm part of the church of Christ. And so we kind of went back and forth every once in a while. And I remember talking to her about the doctrine of the security of the believer. And she said, I just can't understand how you Baptists believe that. And I said, well, we Baptists believe that because it's Bible. And so we just went back and forth. And man, I'd march in there with a fistful of Bible and I'd lay it out for her. And she would tell me, I just see it differently. Of course, I smarted off one time and I said, well, when you get to heaven, God's going to straighten you out. <laughs> then I thought to myself, she's got that red pen. She can flunk me if she wanted to. But one thing that Baptists don't do, now Baptists, listen up, okay? In that doctrine of the security of the believer, wedded to that, is the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. That all true believers are saved securely, but they also will persevere, plow forward, they'll be faithful to the end. 
And we sometimes want to leave that part out. But the two are wedded together. Let me give you two quotes, alright? Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said, If there is one doctrine I have preached more than any other, it is the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints to the end. Baptist faith and message says all true believers endure to the end. Those whom God has accepted in Christ and sanctified by His Spirit will never fall away from the state of grace, but shall persevere to the end. The two are linked together. Once saved, always saved, but the saved will persevere, plow forward to the very end. Now, the doctrine of eternal security is found many, many places in the Bible. I could give you just a couple of references. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Uh, the Bible says there that, you know, we're in the hand of Christ. Christ is in the grip of God. And for you to fall from your salvation, Jesus would have to lose His grip on your life and God would have to lose His grip on Jesus. Alright? Romans chapter 8, 38 through 39. You know, the Bible says nothing. Nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing in hell can ever separate you from God's love. You cannot be separated from your state of grace. And Jude wraps up this book in verses 24 and 25 saying that the God who saved you is the God who's going to keep you. The God who gave His Son, He shed His blood for you. That blood will never, never lose its power. Amen. So, let's read it, alright? 24 and 25. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. What a wonderful doxology that is. When I told somebody I was going to teach on the doxology in Jude, it reminded them of the years gone by where we used to sing the doxology a lot. That's a wonderful old uh, traditional hymn. But the praise of that doxology is praising the God who provides salvation. Now remember here in the book of Jude, verse number 3. Back in verse number 3. Jude says, I want you to contend earnestly. Jude said, there's a fight, there's a battle to be waged. And so Jude begins his letter by saying, fight for the faith. Contend. Press onward. Move forward in the battle. And then Jude ends this wonderful small book by saying that one day we are going to be presented faultless before the throne of God. Once saved, always saved. Once saved, 
always saved. Once in grace, always in grace. I got saved by God's amazing grace. You know how I keep my salvation? By God's amazing grace. You keep it the way you got it. Right? Man, if I have to do good works to be saved, I can do bad works and be lost. But, if I got saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus, my confession of faith, that is how I keep my salvation. So today, this is very practical. You can use this in the future. I give you permission, alright? I want to share with you four reasons. Four reasons why once you're saved, you can never be lost. Alright? Reason number one is the power of God. The power of God. Now, look at verse number 24. Verse 24 says, Now to Him who is able. Able to keep you. Our God is able. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Think about two words there in Hebrews 12 too. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Man, He is at the beginning of it and He's at the end of it. The author and finisher of our faith. Jude says that we are kept. If you notice this, look back in verse number 1. Alright, Jude verse number 1. Jude, the bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and, what's the next word? Kept for Jesus Christ. We are a kept people. Kept by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the idea in that word kept is the idea of being guarded. The idea of being guarded. I, I remember going to uh, a youth camp with our kids down in Falls Creek, down there in Oklahoma. Now, I remember going to youth camp and I always dreaded going because I thought those kids are going to keep me up all night. So, you know, I'd try to put them all to bed at night. I'd threaten them. I'd say, if I see you out of that bed, I'm going to kill you. I mean, I'd, I'd threaten them. Then I tell you the good thing, though, about going to camp is that we have these wonderful cooks like we have in this room here. That's why I got excited when y'all were making the desserts, all right, for our Christmas dinner. Y'all are great cooks. And, uh, you know, I, I can make requests, but I better not. But anyway, see, I know who cooks what. I do. I pay attention, all right? I, I know what Naomi can make, and I know what, you know, uh, Becky can make. I, I know what you make. I know what my wife Pam can make. I know what y'all can make, alright? I know Linda Eastep was famous for the Oreos, right? Well listen, down there at Falls Creek, those women would send homemade desserts. So I thought, well I've got to put up with these kids, but I'm going to eat well down here. And then I remember that there was this one lady that made this cherry pie. And man, it was one of those that should have, should have been at the state fair. Boy, it was just a great cherry pie. And I remember saying, 
let's cut that baby up. I'm not sure that those kids would really, really appreciate this pie. So let's just hide this thing in the cabinet. <laughs> and, and we'll have it late at night after the kids are gone, gone to bed. You know those cotton-picking kids, they, they stick, they found that pie. <laughs> Ruined my plan. Tend to think probably God, you know, had something to do with that. But anyway, you and I are kept, kept as a treasure by the power of God. Now, God's going to preserve us. Verse 24 says, Now to Him who is able to keep you. And then God's going to protect us. Notice in verse number 24, we are protected from stumbling. Stumbling. You know, the older you get, the more you stumble, don't you? Yeah, you kind of get wobbly when you get old. You get off balance. The Bible says we are kept from stumbling, from being tripped up. You know, sometimes I get tripped up over people. You know, the ministry is a wonderful business if it wasn't for dealing with people all the time. <laughs> Sometimes we get tripped up. And most of the time we get tripped up, it's because our eyes are on people instead of the Lord. When your eyes are on the Lord, that makes the difference. The Bible says here, God is able. Able. I heard the story about a guy that bought a Rolls Royce. It wasn't a preacher, but uh, this guy bought a Rolls Royce and had ordered, shipped over from England. Got the car. I think it's one of those shadow Rolls Royces. Got the car and someone asked the guy, said, boy, that's a nice ride. What's the horsepower of that Rolls Royce? And the guy said, you know, I don't know. And so he looked there in the owner's manual, couldn't find the horsepower. So then he rode over there to England. And he said, I bought this Rolls Royce. Would you mind telling me what the horsepower of my car is? Answer came back from England from the factory. And it was just one word. And the word was sufficient. Sufficient. <laughs> you know what? We can describe God in so many ways. Aren't you glad He is sufficient? He's sufficient. So you and I are kept by the power of God. If you ever doubt your salvation, just remember that the One who is omnipotent, the One who is all-powerful, has a hold of you. The God who created the universe. The God who could spit and form an ocean. The God who could lay down His thumb and make the Grand Canyon. The God who created the thousand hills. That God is the One who has a hold of your life. Man, you are not going to fall from grace because God has a hold of you. His power. Can you tell I'm excited about this? Alright? He's got a hold of you. Alright, point number two. Once saved, always saved because of the promise of God. The promise of God. When I read verse number 24, I see a promise there. Aren't you glad for the promises of God? God is faithful and true to His Word. And if you ever doubt, once saved, always saved, just remember that God has a promise in there for you and I. Well, the Bible says we're kept. What are we kept for? 
I got two things here. All right, we're kept because we're going to see His glory. We're going to see His glory. You notice here in verse number 24, it says we're going to be blameless, blameless or faultless before the throne. One day, we're going to stand in the presence of the God of the universe. And the Bible says when we stand that day, we're going to be without blame. We're going to be faultless. Because we are justified, we are going to be robed in the righteousness of Jesus. And I believe in heaven, we're going to spend eternity singing and praising the Lamb of God. You may not be in the choir today, but when you get to heaven one day, you're going to join the choir. <laughs> I, I like what Steve Phillips says. Steve says, and this is this brother Steve, alright, I'm quoting him. Steve says, ain't going to be no praise team in heaven. going to be a choir up there. There is. It's going to be a great, great choir. Well, also, we're going to share His glory. Do you notice here in verse number 24? It says, in the presence of... His glory. We're going to share His glory. Let me tell you, God is so good to you and I that God says one day in heaven, you're going to be bathed and share the glory of my Son. God loves His Son so much that He puts His Son in your life. And when God sees you, He sees Jesus in your life. We're going to share His glory. So, my eternal security based on the power of God, but also the promise of God. The promise of God. Alright, let me move on. Number three. It's also based on the person of God. Once saved, always saved because of the person of God. And that is the character of God. I've been pretty proud through the years that I've kept my character pretty straight and narrow. I've been in the ministry since 1978. That's a long time. And during that time, there have been those days where I said, God, just protect me. And God has done that because of His person. God's character is this. God is loving. God is faithful. God is just. And God is holy. That is God's character. And because God is loving, because God is faithful, because God is just, because God is holy, God is not going to let me fall from grace. The person of God. I was leaving church the other day and uh, I just finished reading the new book by Max Lucado. And if you're wanting something good to read right now, get that book by Max Lucado. It's called Happiness. And it's based on the one another statements in the Bible. Love one another. Encourage one another. Greet one another. All these one another statements. How to pray for one another. And I was leaving the church and about 5 o'clock I'm walking out of the church and... Uh, had my phone in my hand and uh, my, my lovely daughter called me and so I'm talking to Kendra going out. 
And now I'm passing people. Hey, Tony! Good to see you. Have a great evening. Hey, Buster! I'm waving and talking to people walking out. Kendra said, Dad, you're doing what you always did. I said, what's that? And she said, well, you're talking to everybody you see going out the door. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of that reputation. I, I passed a young lady the other day that I knew and I spoke with her. She didn't speak to me and I thought, Lord, if it rains, she's going to drown. She got her nose in the air. <laughs> and God convicts me, I'll ask for forgiveness of that, alright? Now, now listen. One of the most encouraging things you can do is to be known as someone that can greet one another. I know I'd crawl in here at 6.30 a.m. and do the men's breakfast and Bible study, and I always look forward to going to my office before I went over to Ellis Hall and Sylvia Browning would speak to me. Because she was here, I don't, she gets here at 5 a.m., I think. But anyway, <laughs> Sylvia was here and she'd come by and go, have a great Bible study! She was always so cheery and I'd think, oh Lord, i got to crawl over there and teach these men, you know. And, but man, now listen. God in His character, the person of God, is going to keep you safe. Let me tell you some things about that God. He is sovereign. When God makes up His mind to do something, He's simply going to do it. I call it the stubbornness of God. God makes up His mind. God declares He's going to do something. He will do it. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17 says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. God is a sovereign King. You know, man can rule, but God can overrule. Men can make decisions, but God can have the final decision. You and I know how the story of this world ends, don't we? It's in the book of Revelation. We know how it's all going to wrap up one day. And so God's going to have the final word. Let me show you this too about God's character. He's also our Savior. Uh, verse number 25 says, to the only God, our Savior. Our God is a saving God. A saving God. If you are out on a boat somewhere, let's just pretend you can't swim very well. And you go overboard. You're there in the water and gurgle, gurgle. You're going down and bobbing up, down and bobbing up. I say if you do that three times, you won't come back up. But anyway, you're going up and down, up and down. And there's a guy on the deck of the boat. And he's going to help you out. He looks at you and says, let me give you ten lessons on how to swim. That is not going to help you too much. Well, there's another guy on the deck. And he looks at you there in the water. He sees you struggling and he says, look at me and I'm going to model for you the stroke you ought to be doing. That's not going to help you either, is it? 
But there's somebody on that deck that says, I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to get in the water with you and I'm going to get wet. I'm going to pull you out. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. He jumped out of heaven and came to earth. Not just to be a model, not just to be an example, not just to be a teacher. Man, listen, He is the Savior. That's what He is. God our Savior. Man, the Father saves us, the Son secures us, and the Spirit of God seals us for all time. My eternal salvation is wrapped up in the character of God. Alright, fourth and last. Fourth and last. Once saved, always saved because of the praise of God. And you might say that, that's an unusual statement. Well, I want you to look here at verse number 25. In verse number 25, it's a verse about praise. I know I'm saved eternally because something down inside me says this. All praise goes to Jesus. There are times I don't know why, I just want to praise. There are times I just get on shouting ground. There are times when I see the goodness of God and I just want to break out in song. There are times when I wake up in the morning and God puts a song on my heart. I don't know why, but God just shows me things to praise Him for. That doesn't happen without you and I having eternal and forever salvation. Fanny Crosby, one time, heard somebody play a little tune. The tune was... When she heard that, someone said, Fanny, what does that sound like? She said, that sounds like blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And she wrote that wonderful hymn, the text. Well, we need to praise God for His glory. Verse 25 says, To Him be glory. The word glory is the word doxa, D-O-X-A, from where we get the word doxology. God is glorious in all He does. We need to praise Him for His majesty. Verse 25 says, and majesty. The word majesty speaks of His greatness. His greatness. Not too long ago, Tim and I, a few years back, went to see the Grand Canyon. as one big hole. I mean, Pam can look at the Grand Canyon being the science teacher she is. She can see the different levels, the different layers, the different times, you know, all that stuff in the soil. Man, I look at that thing and I just want to say how great thou art. What a God we have. He is majestic in all He does. Well, He's also a sovereign. We need to praise Him for His sovereignty. Verse 25 uses the word dominion. God is not limited by time and space. He is a God that has dominion. Dominion. And then also we need to praise Him for His authority. Do you see that in verse 25? And authority. God has a right to rule. A right to rule. God has a right to rule your life. Not too long ago we had a Sunday evening baptism. 
When we had that Sunday evening baptism, I, I baptized five different people that night. And, and I remember one by one them walking into the water and I, I put my hand on them and I said to each and every one of them, I said, it's all because a king lives in your life. And because the King of kings and Lord of lords resides in your heart, you're a new creation in Christ. Man, listen, a king lives in you. He has a right to rule your life. He has that right because He bought you with a price, with the blood of Jesus. Well, my eternal security is based on the fact that I want to praise Him. Now, I want to wrap up today by giving you just some practical observations. Why do Christians doubt their salvation? Let me give you three reasons, alright? These are just extra stuff here. Practical observations. Number one, because you had a childhood conversion. I think sometimes those that have had a childhood conversion doubt their salvation. Sometimes those children that are saved at age 3, age 4, age 5, whatever it is, and we're seeing children, I think, come to Christ at an earlier age. And let me tell you why that is. It's because the world we live in is becoming more and more evil. And God is sending the Holy Spirit to a young person's life at an earlier age. That's why we're seeing more younger children make decisions for Christ. But sometimes when you make that early conversion, prayer of faith, that statement of faith, you have doubts about that years later. Let me tell you the answer to that. Sometime as an adult, I think it's good to rededicate your life to Christ. You're not being re-saved, you're just making a rededication. And sometimes that will even involve being baptized again. And that's okay. It's just another statement of faith saying, I know Christ in a personal way. My life is buried. I've been raised to walk in a new life. And just another statement of faith. Alright? Reason number two. Christians doubt their salvation because of a faulty theology. Let me say that again. A faulty theology. Somewhere, somehow, somebody told them that if they do enough bad stuff, they're going to be lost. Let me tell you, you did enough bad stuff before you got saved. <laughs> That's not going to condemn you. That's what Jesus died for. Faulty theology is that you've got to earn your salvation after you are saved. That is not true. Again, you keep it the way you got it. Alright? Number three. And this is the greatest reason. This is the number one reason why people doubt their salvation. They've got a pet sin in their life. Man, listen. All the years I've been pastoring, it seems like 80% of those that doubt their salvation, when you start to probe, they're saying, yeah, I've got this issue I'm dealing with. I've got this sin that I cannot defeat in my life. And that is constantly telling them that pet sin that they're not saved. Let me tell you what to do with that. 
Kill the flesh and trust the Savior. It's a battle every day. Everybody in this room, you've got something in your life, you've got something, the devil knows your number. And he constantly will attack you in that area. Every single day, you've got that struggle with the flesh. Max Lucado was saying in his new book that he got saved after a Sunday school teacher taught on Romans 7. The war of the flesh. We all have that battle going on. So the answer is, keep looking to the cross. Keep looking to Jesus. Let me close today by telling you this. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Now listen to this. And when before the throne, I stand in Him complete. Oh, don't you love those words? I'll lay my trophies down all at Jesus' feet. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, I am so grateful that You're a God who can keep us safe. Lord, this wonderful book of Jude finishes so strong. Lord, remind us today that Lord, we have such a great God that once we are saved, He can keep us in grace. Lord, may we be reminded that once we are saved, we are to persevere to the end. The two are linked together. God, may we be faithful in plowing the plow. God, may we be faithful in the field of service. God, help us to be faithful to the end because God, You're going to be faithful to us. Now, Father, bless us as we go to worship You because You're worthy of all of our worship. And we pray this in the One who can keep us saved. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Thank you all.